Hello, and welcome to Our Heart for Teaching, where we explore the why in the teaching profession. I'm your host, Christy Everhart. Thank you for joining us today as we discuss that million-dollar question of what's your why in education? Welcome and thank you for joining us for another episode of Our Heart for Teaching. Today, I am joined by Kevin Bradford. Welcome, Kevin. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thank you so much. And why don't you um, take a minute to just introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us a little bit about yourself. I can do that. So my name is Kevin Bradford, and I am in the middle of my 30th year in public education. I grew up in a small town in Texas called Dangerfield, Texas, never <laughs> thinking I would ever become a teacher. And so um, when I went to college, I had, I think it was eight or nine different majors <laughs> before wow. um, I ever settled on elementary education. And the only reason I went education was because I couldn't pass calculus two. That class was horrible. Anyway, I tried it three times. I was in the middle of the third one and uh, was studying with a couple of um, friends of mine and they were both uh, Beverly and Stephanie. I'll never forget them. They were like, Kevin, you've got to be, you've got to change your major. You've got to become an elementary educator. And I'm like, you know, elementary education, that's for girls. Uh, because it was back in you know 1990 business and well if i 30 years ago anyway <laughs> 1989 <laughs> and anyway so i i did i changed my major dropped all the classes i was taking added new ones and never looked back loved it um had a great student teaching experience spent five years in the classroom and then worked on my master's and kind of accidentally got into administration uh, and did that for nine years, uh, one year as an assistant and eight years as a principal. Uh, but the last couple of years, I kind of knew, you know, this was really not where I wanted to be or needed to be. And so my wife and I decided it was time to go back into the classroom. So I went back into the classroom. Um, and, but my administrative career kind of gave me a taste of special education and uh as uh the administrator on and during ARD meetings i got to facilitate that and make decisions for students who learn differently and it's i kind of fell in love with it and so when i went back in the classroom I, I went and got my sped certification and so for the last 11 years i have been teaching resource um, for students to get pull-out services uh, and modified curriculum, uh, and we call it resource at our school here, but uh, have loved it. The resource students are such a wonderful group. I did that for, I think, five years. I lose count after a little while, and they're just, they're so wonderful, and it's a different experience that most educators don't get to see. Um, and I also admire you for uh, you went into administration, stayed there for a little bit and then got out. That's impressive. Like and I, I just say kudos for you being able to even do that, 
um, because I recognized that I could never be an administrator. So to even go from that and then to jump into special education, like for having a heart for those kids is, is wonderful. They are so amazing. Um, and they have, they have great abilities. So, um, thank you for that. I love that teacher heart there. And the fact that you're serving that group of students, cause they are amazing and wonderful and not every educator gets to do that. No. Um, or wouldn't you? So yeah. you, you are a very special person. Well, um, thank you. One of my favorite things, I've, I've been a resource teacher on three different campuses and for three different administrators. And um, one of the things that I really have enjoyed in working with the administrators I've worked with is they give me the, the flexibility and the autonomy in my classroom to um, provide instruction to the best of my ability. They don't micromanage my classes. Uh, even though we might have some available curriculum materials, I want my students exposed to the grade level curriculum as much as possible. So we follow, our, I've been able to follow the same scope and sequence that our uh, gen ed classrooms uh, and teachers teach. And I think that's critical and, and nothing more drives that point home than a couple of weeks ago when one of the uh, fourth grade teachers on my campus stopped me and she said hey one of your students came back to class and looked at the board and she said oh hey mr bradford's teaching us that in his class too and so for them to recognize and see and for other students to know that we're not a dumbed down class we may do things differently we may um, move slower at some point, but our, my kids are exposed to the same um, academic vocabulary and the same content as our grade level learners are. So, um, but I couldn't do that without the support of my administrators. I think that's awesome. And I love that you're with a supportive team that does that. And I also love that you point out, um, because I think until you know, and you've experienced this group of students, you really don't know. I didn't know as a gen ed teacher until I did inclusion. And then later until I did resource, which opened my eyes uh, again. Um, you really do kind of have this opinion of these students before you get to work with them. And I love how you beautifully put it. You know, I'm not dumbing anything down for these kids. They're doing the same thing. It just might look differently at times. And and um, that's the beautiful illustration of education, in my opinion, because we all learn differently. And you have the luxury of being able to get to deliver the instruction in that way while still giving them the same experiences and things that they would have in a uh, regular classroom. And I love it, especially when your teachers are like, hey, they're starting to see, you know, you're doing the same things as well. I love it. That's awesome. Oh. That's a great story. Thank you. <laughs> So Kevin, um, this podcast is really centered around, you know, what drives us to be teachers and what's our purpose and our passion in working with these students. Can you talk to us a little bit about what your why is and, and how that has evolved as you've, you know, worked over all these different things in education? Um, I, I will do my best. So, <laughs> um, like I said, when I, decided to leave the administration and go back into the classroom, I really wanted to focus on special ed. Uh, initially, at the uh, campus where I was, there was not a special ed opening at the moment. So of course, having a mathematics certification, that's where they put me, which was fine. I love teaching math also. 
Um, and doing that for two years, uh, there finally came an opportunity to move into the resource uh, role at that campus. And so for the first year that I taught special ed, I had my resource classes and I also had gifted and talented classes. So it was a combination. And I will tell you, that was one of the best experiences um, of my career, I believe, because marrying those two groups, who a lot of people think are polar opposites, it, it was incredible because I had a group of um, students that loved to be challenged, working with students that were challenged every day because of their um, deficiencies in, in the way they learn. And so watching those two groups together, because there were times that I would, I had classes of both at the same time. Uh, at the end of the year, we went on a combined field trip to um, a town near where I, I was teaching in Navasota at the time. And we took a field trip over to Huntsville. And there's a, um, a place over there where um, an, an artist used uh, completely recyclable materials to build houses. And so we had done a unit on um, architecture and, and uh, also doing area and designing a house. And so he let us come over and we toured a couple of the houses that he had built and looked at all the materials and, and he talked to them about their plans. They took their floor plans to show him and, and it was just a great experience. But watching the special ed students interact with the GT students was incredible. There was no difference between the two. Um, and it's very important to me when my students leave my resource classroom and go back to the classroom, if there was a visitor that walked to the door of their gen ed classroom and looked at the class, they can't tell my students apart from the, the non-special ed students. And I worked real hard and talked to my students almost daily about you're not less than. Because you learn differently doesn't mean you don't learn at all. You just may learn differently. And and I think they the work that I put in on that with them and, and we don't hide our disabilities. We don't hide the things that we struggle with. We own it. We name it and we work to uh, make it better. Um, and, and so I think they see that and they begin to act differently in the gen ed class. They're not afraid to uh, take risks and go back and, and try to answer questions because Again, they, they've been exposed to the same content and, and the academic vocabulary that we use. And so it's a way that they can go back and show off to their friends some that they didn't used to do sometimes. Right. I love the building the confidence in the students and and the empowerment that you help them, you know, to just own it, you yeah. know, and recognizing I I am just as good and capable as you. I just do it differently. That's right. so empowering. Um, and I think that's hard. That's hard even for students who don't struggle with a disability, you know, especially as they get older, that's hard. Right. So just owning that, I love that. And I love that you have them at, you know, the elementary age where they're really beginning to start to build a foundation for who they are. And so that's powerful. That's incredibly powerful. And I love that. And also the, the fact that you're teaching them, it is okay to go and take that risk. 
you know, right. take a risk. You're, you're either going to get it or you're not. And it's okay either way. Like, you know, I love that. That's awesome. Oh, so as you became an educator and you shared with us, you went through like nine different majors before you finally settled on um, being an elementary education teacher, which I think education world is very grateful for you because you've done a lot with these students um, and, and you're exciting and fun. And I, I love hearing about all the awesome things you do. But can you talk to me a little bit about what it was like when you were a student and um, how you interacted with your teachers? Was that a good experience? Did your teachers inspire you to be like them or or was it kind of the opposite? What were your experiences as a student like? So that's a great question. One that I wasn't really expecting, but I, I can answer it. <laughs> but I was like, oh, OK. So my school career uh, like I said, I grew, grew up in Dangerfield, Texas, a small 3A school district at the time. I think they've, they're they even smaller now, but um, everybody in Dangerfield went to the same schools, mostly had almost the same teachers pretty much throughout uh, from first grade through high school. Um, I remember a few of my, well, I remember all of my teachers, I think, but a few really stand out. Um, the first one would probably be Miss French, um, who was my second grade teacher. Um, and I think probably had a pretty big impact. I didn't know it at the time. I didn't realize it until many years later. But um, because I thought she was one of the meanest ladies I'd ever met. And the <laughs> reason she was so mean is I grew up with asthma. And uh, at the school where I went to elementary school, uh, there are lots of pine trees. So the dust and things from pine trees didn't work well with um, my asthma. So there were many times that Miss French would make me stay in from recess. And at that point, you know, I guess they didn't mind you not being unsupervised. So I was trusted to stay in the classroom uh, reading until they finished recess. Well, one day I was just, I had enough. And so I went outside, uh, snuck outside to recess and was playing. And of course, the day I sneak out, there was a big pine straw fight. And so we're throwing pine needles everywhere. And um, well, guess what? Miss French catches me and uh, I felt her wrath and the wrath of my parents too. Um, I also had really horrible handwriting and Miss French made me go through all of those handwriting papers over and over again. Well, now I can say that I, I have very nice handwriting. Um, my wife tells me you write better than I do. And I've had cashiers tell me when we used to write checks before right. automated stuff would tell me, oh, you write like a girl. And I'm like, no, I write better than a girl. Um, good <laughs> handwriting uh, and all because of Miss French. Well, when I got, uh, my wife and I got engaged, um, my hometown gave us a wedding shower and Miss French showed up at the wedding shower and she brought a letter that I had written to her after I left second grade during the summer, it, thanking her for being one of the best teachers uh, I could imagine having. And so, the fact that she first of all showed up and the fact that she held on to that letter just you know solidified in my mind the impact that she must have had uh on um my desire to i guess well 
forced into elementary ed, but um, it made an impact. And then the other teacher that I think really highly of was uh, Miss Starr or Miss Edwards. She got married uh, later on, but uh, Miss Starr was my uh, mathematics teacher throughout high school. I had her for, and she was the only math teacher there. And I was a pretty good student. And so I had her for um, all the math classes that I took along with uh, being a member of the math team and just her ability to teach and to um, be able to stick because, you know, especially when we got into calculus, that was difficult math, but she was so patient and, and so um, willing to stay after school, to come before school and, and to help us just as much as she possibly could so that we had a good understanding of, of the math. So those are two of the teachers I think that made a huge impact uh, on my career. Do you feel like most of your teachers then gave you a positive experience, even if you weren't feeling that in the moment, like, you know, with all the handwriting practice, yeah. but then it was a great thing. <laughs> I, I do. I, I don't remember really disliking any of my teachers or being mistreated by any of my teachers. I know it happens, but uh, I think for the most part, I loved school. I loved going to school. I was a very social person. And, and so school came very easy to me uh, not so much easy for uh, other people that I might hang out with, including my brother who was a little bit older. I used to do his homework because I enjoyed school that much. Um, and I think that alone helped me connect with teachers. But I also know that there were students out there that did not connect as well. And, and maybe that had an impact on my decision to want to, to uh, become a special ed teacher because I, I love reaching out to those students who seem to dislike school and trying any way possible to, to flip that script and, and help them. Um, they may not, and I tell them, you may not ever love school, but I want you to at least know that we're not the enemy. Um, we're, we're here to try to help. I use humor in my classroom quite a bit. I think kids respond to that. Um, there's lots of other things that I use to kind of help them break that whole, um, oh, I'm a student, you're the teacher, and that separation between the two. Uh, I think that's important. So, Kevin, um, I think you've talked about it a little bit, but you have years and I'm jealous. I'm like halfway. I'm halfway and I'm feeling that because that's just weird. It's weird the longer I go. But you have many, many years as an educator. And, you know, as we grow, we're very reflective. We change how we do things. We learn stuff. So how have you grown in your purpose and your why the more years and the more experience that you get? How is your why changing? Um, that's a great question. I think I'm not convinced that my why has changed all that much. Um, maybe the um, maybe the area of my why might have changed. I when when I changed my major in college uh, to elementary ed, and spent my first couple of classes uh, in the classroom, my going and visiting a campus uh, with our methods classes and and observing there. 
I, I was hooked. I was hooked and, and maybe I just had a great experience and got to visit uh, awesome classrooms and teachers, but I was hooked in the whole aspect of making a difference to students. And it was, it was just fun. You know, like I said earlier, growing up and going to school, I loved it. Uh, and being a teacher, I don't think is, is that much different. So I think my why it stays the same. I want to make an impact on students. I want to reach those students that may dislike school. Maybe they've got behavioral issues. Maybe they um, learning is difficult for them. I've, I've worked with a numerous amount of students who were non-readers. Um, and there's one particular student that, that I worked with for four years. And when I first got him as a second grader, you know, he knew 11 letters of the alphabet and all those 11 letters were in his name. And so we, in my head at that moment, and this was only like my third year uh, to teach special ed resource. I thought, well, we've got to learn the alphabet because that's the beginning of reading. But it got to the point where I'm thinking he did kindergarten, he did first grade, he did second grade. This is his fourth year trying to learn the alphabet. Maybe this is not in his wheelhouse. Um, so we changed our, our approach with him and I went completely off script and we spent mm -hmm. the next two years delving into mostly just comprehension, understanding. And at one of the art meetings that we had, the dad was like, I just want him to read. And I asked that, I said, did, were you a reader when you were in school? And he said, unfortunately, I'm not. I said, what is, what is your career now? He said, I'm an auto mechanic. I said, thank you for what you do, because I guarantee you, if I had to do your job and fix my own car, I would never get it done. So please mm -hmm. don't undervalue your career and your lack of success in reading, because I tell you, your son wants to be a, a mechanic like you. And yeah. you can do that without being a reader. There are too many tools available to help with reading, with the, the text to speech and, and things like that, that if there was something, information he needed, he would be able to access that. So that's what I want to focus on with him, accessing that information. But if he can't understand what he's hearing, then we've got a, we've got two problems now. And so for the rest of that year, we, he, you know, he told me, it was like, I never thought about it like that. So we, worked on comprehension the kid passed the science star test in fifth grade you don't, you don't do that unless you're able to comprehend and understand things so now he had the accommodation to have the text the questions read aloud but still he had to have the ability in his brain to learn and to understand what was being asked in order to be able to pass that so i will tell you that <laughs> that kind of motivated me and so i teach sometimes a little differently <laughs> um than maybe you might see in some resource classes i know from my experience as well it's a powerful thing when you have to come to that realization of you know what i'm doing just isn't quite working and i probably should try something different right and i know it's a scary thing but just like in the story you just said changing our perspective just slightly 
to really, you know, do what the kid needs. Right. It makes a huge impact and difference. And, you know, I mean, that kid proved himself way more than enough that year by passing that star test. And that's amazing. And, you know, as a resource teacher, I saw a lot of the same things too. And it was just a lot of what I had was, you know, build up their confidence because they have it. They just have been beat to the ground so much that they think they're stupid and they're not. Um, And so I love that you, you recognize, Hey, I can, I can shift this a little bit and, and I can really cater to what they need and, and that you get to see the difference too. Um, because I think that that's, that's one of the challenges in, in education, no matter how we work, because we're very set and stubborn in our ways sometimes, or (laughs) have the pressure of the curriculum and having to have the courage to say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to do it my way for a little bit and then just watch. And then, you know, if they give you the time or whether they don't, because I think good teachers are going to do it how they need to do it anyway, but you're going to see the difference in the kid, you know, because really, truly, who cares how you get there? You get there. Right. Right. Awesome. I love that. Oh, powerful. Oh, Those you. are my favorite stories. So, <laughs> All right. So, Kevin, you know as well as any of us that teaching is hard and you've seen the challenges on all fields. You've been a teacher. You've been an administrator. You've been on every aspect of this that you could be and you know it's hard. Um, so when teaching gets hard and we have all these routines and we're not having a good day where we're getting to see, you know, the successes because not every day is all sunshine and rainbows. And some of them are just flat out like, why, why am I doing this? Because they're hard. Right. How, how do you get reconnected with that purpose and, and your reason for, you know, I want to work with these kids and I really want to be there for them because you have an amazing why and an amazing purpose. So on those hard days, which you especially have in special ed, it seems like they're even more numerous and and with different challenges. How do you reconnect to that? Why? Um, Okay. So probably three different things. One would be, um, (laughs) I might cry. I wear my Mm -hmm. emotions on my sleeve. I might get frustrated and break down and cry, but that is only successful because of number two. And that is I have an amazing team of colleagues here at this campus. I did at the previous two campuses I was on. Ever since I've been a SPED teacher, I have had been surrounded by an incredible team of teachers and that's gen ed staff and special ed staff. So when I feel like those moments of, breaking down and crying. Those are the people I go to first and they build me up. They let me rant and rave. They let me throw my little hissy fit and <laughs> don't judge me. And then we can laugh and laugh and laugh about it, about whether it was a something very silly or something that just hit me wrong, or maybe I just had an off day teaching and none of my lessons were working. And I was, you know, cause that happens too. But So those are two of the things that happen at school. And then I get to go home after school to an amazing wife and family. And I know that they have my uh, back and that I have their full support in my career choice and what I do. Um, 
so that's my third thing. My wife is, will walk me through and be supportive and not try to fix what has happened at school or what I'm frustrated about, but she will listen and um, not judge. And, um, and so those are the three things that I think we could answer that question. So, so you have a great support system in your school and at home. I think that's wonderful. What advice would you give to other teachers who are listening to this, who may be struggling with, you know, being able to get through the routine right now in the hard times and they might not have that support system. What advice would you give them for the hard times? I, I think you have to be able to laugh. You just do. I think you will go insane if you don't and not laugh at yourself and not laugh at your students, but be able to laugh to recover from the frustration. Um, I, I do that through movies. I do that through um, jokes, through stories and talking with other people. One of my favorite things uh, over the last couple of years, I have a, there's a second grade teacher here who um, has developed this routine after their recess time she has her students walk through my classroom and they just walk through. They will either give me a high five or a fist bump, but they don't talk except for the three people that she selects and it's three different people every day and they get to tell me a joke. And so her class is a gen ed classroom. And so her students are practicing um, public speaking, uh, inflection and being able to ask a question and also in giving the punchline how to tell a joke. So they are benefiting from coming through and it's just a delight to see these second graders coming through. And if I laugh really hard at their joke, they just get so excited. And mm -hmm. then they walk, the rest of the class walks through and they go back to class and we do it again the next day. And it's just, again, one of those support things that I have with another teacher here at this campus that just kind of happened accidentally. We didn't plan it. It was just something that has evolved and become a daily thing. And um, I think both her class and I have benefited from that routine. That's awesome. Do you have a favorite joke from one of your students? <laughs> You know, the problem with being my 30th year and just turning 55, my memory of remembering jokes may <laughs> not be great. But the one I used to always tell when I was an administrator is, who's your best friend at school? Your principal. Aww. Come on, isn't that great? <laughs> that is so great. I love it. Oh. I needed to laugh at the end of the day. <laughs> well, I've got lots of funny stories that I could probably keep you in stitches for a while. Oh, no. Wow. No, I love that. I always forget to laugh, too. So, And and humor has been my challenge because I, I have just been way too serious. So I like it. I like it when people try to teach me to laugh. And I thank you for sharing that joke. Oh, you're welcome. Well, one of the things that, you know, I have a student teacher right now, and that was one of the things we were very similar 
but as a as a um, student teacher, he's real cautious about relaxing in the classroom some. And so that's one of the things that I tell him often. You, you got to breathe, you got to smile more, and you got to be okay when you have to stop a lesson and go, oh, guys, this isn't working. Let's start over and do something different. Um, because if you don't, you'll, you'll go home with an ulcer at some point and, and never want that to happen. So. Exactly, exactly. We got to break that don't smile till Christmas mentality. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. let's need to see that teachers enjoy being here too. Right, exactly. Yes, we have to love what we do. And, and, and I love that you're like, you're very real about the, if it's just not going right, just stop and let them know, hey, okay, we got to reset in a minute. We got to try again. Right. Because they got to see that that's okay. Um, and I tell mine, of course, mine's like clumsiness and klutziness, and they freak out anytime that, you know, I trip and fall over myself or the cords in the room. And I'm like, nope, y'all know this is just me, B and B. Like, or, you know, I get so distracted and I'm like, oh, I went squirrel again. Wait, what, what, what were we doing? And like, they just, I love being real. And it took a while to get that. So I love that you're sharing that wisdom with your student teacher because these are the things that are hard and they don't tell us this in college, no, <laughs> you know, no. um, the, the wisdom of a veteran teacher is so great to give to, you know, the newbies coming up and I love them. We have some great, great newbies coming up that it's like, Oh, I can't wait to see where you're going to be. And like, they know so much more. I, I, I love it. Like, Oh, I love it. Especially when you get a good one. Yeah. So, absolutely. Awesome. Okay, well, Kevin, one of the last things I like to do on the show is, you know, we have a lot of people who make a huge difference in our lives and who've gotten us to where we are as educators and have shaped who just the greatness that we get to bring every day and they've helped make us who we are. Do you have a person or a couple of people that you would just really like to give a shout out to today? Um, absolutely. So um, I've already mentioned my wife and my family, and, and so that goes without saying. But there are a couple of people that I would love to like recognize because they made a huge difference um, in, in my passion for education. And it came kind of late in my career. I was always passionate about school. And then at uh, one time about, I guess it was about 10 years ago, eight, nine years ago, I kind of hit a wall. Um, it was my second year as a special ed teacher, but it wasn't being a special ed teacher. It was just becoming a little um, disinterested in the whole school system kind of thing. And, and maybe I was um, overwhelmed or overworked or whatever it might have been. But um, we got a new principal. His name was Todd Nesloni. And um, our school had to be we weren't making the state grade and so um that school kind of all the teachers had to be reassigned or resign anyway i was really cautious we were encouraged to reapply um and i was really cautious about doing that and um but i went ahead and reapplied and todd um interviewed me and he offered me a job back at the school and I had to be honest with him and told him, I'm not sure I want it. But he was very patient and um, 
but persisted and <laughs> kept calling. So I told him, I'll give you one year. Uh, went back and the difference in um, just his approach to school and things kind of encouraged me. It was because of him that my second person that I uh, would give a shout out to um, happen. So he, Todd, uh, encouraged us to always kind of be involved on social media like Twitter and connect with other educators. Well, that was real hard for me because of my age or because of my interest or experience, whatever it might have been. Um, but I decided to go ahead and I love to, to read books. And so when I would read one, I would uh, tweet about it and, and try to tag the author. Uh, when that happened, I read a book called Fish in a Tree, and Linda Mullally Hunt was the author, and so I tagged her, and she responded. I thought that was the neatest thing. I'm like, here's this famous person who tweeted me back, and well, I yeah. also found her on Facebook, and so we became Facebook friends, and a couple of years later, I was uh, reading the book aloud with my fifth graders, and um I hear my librarian holler my name in the hallway and I'm like, wait, you're not supposed to be here. You're supposed to be at the library convention. And I went to the door and in the door was Linda Mullally Hunt, the author mm -hmm. of my favorite book, Fish in a Tree. And I, I just stood there and went, wow, this, this, she's right here in my room. And she spent the rest of the afternoon with my students and, and me and, um, visiting with them about how she when it, she grew up with dyslexia and reading was hard writing was harder and um uh, but now she, here she is with three books um to her credit and one for the uh, murphy's fish in a tree and shouting at the rain all three excellent books and i would highly recommend them to to anyone but just her um vulnerability in being able to share that i asked her i was like why why in the world are you, are you here and she said well i was going to be in texas at the librarian convention and i knew if i was going to be in texas i had to meet kevin bradford i thought oh. Oh, what <laughs> anyway so i've been fangirling over that for years <laughs> <laughs> i love that that story is amazing i don't know what i would do if an author showed up to my door like because i i get excited uh, just getting to talk to to you guys is huge. And you mentioned Todd Nisloni and listeners, if you're not following Todd Nisloni, he's awesome as well. So I love that you shout him out. Um, and that's actually how I met you was at Todd's convention uh, or PD thing that he did before Corona hit. That's right. And, uh, you know, and the networking there was like, oh, my God, there's all these passionate teachers about what they do. Like I was on teacher heaven, like <laughs> And and I love it. And and the other day, you know, getting to interview, you know, who is now kind of mentoring me and getting to uh, go back full circle and interview Hal Bowman. Like I was like, I can't believe I'm doing this. Like I just like you know, fangirling as you say, huge. Um, <laughs> you know, but we never get to do these things if we don't put ourselves out there and like 
That's you right. know, get connected, jump on social media, you know, try talking to these people because what's the worst is going to happen? You never hear from them. And then okay. you know, your life's no different than it was before. But then when they do, it's so cool. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. You have me smiling now. I love it. And speaking of social media, um, how can our listeners get in touch with you? Because I think you have fantastic stories to share. Um, and I love following you on social media. Your posts are so fun. Your pictures are always awesome. And, and you're just super fun with what you do. And it's obvious you love it. So how can they get in touch with you? So on Twitter, um, my, uh, what do you call it? My call name, I don't even know what it's called. My Twitter name is uh, <laughs> Bradford K 66 And so that's on Twitter. Um, I'm also on Facebook and Instagram under Kevin Bradford. But those are usually more personal posts. Uh, Twitter is my education uh, format. Um, or you can email me at my school at kbradford at csisd.org. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for taking time to share with our listeners today. And listeners, truly, Kevin is an amazing person, an amazing educator. He's so fun in everything he does. Um, so I do hope that you get connected with him. And Kevin, I just want to say a huge thank you for joining me this afternoon and for sharing your teacher heart. And I love that you serve that group of students. And hopefully you've brought some light to others who don't get to work with that population. And and I know that those of us who have served that population were like, yes, like um, having anyone talk about these group of students just lights up our day when, you know, they're recognized. So thank you so much for choosing to be on the show today. I really appreciate you. Certainly. This has been a blast. Thank you, Christy. Yes, sir. All right. Well, thank you, Kevin. You have been listening to Our Heart for Teaching, where we explore our purpose and our why in the field of education. If you would like more information or to share your own purpose in education, be sure to connect with me on Twitter at A Heart for Teaching. I look forward to hearing from you soon and please tune in to the next episode of Our Heart for Teaching.